this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back this week with another one of our requested reviews. Requested woo-woos? Yes. Thank you, uh, Daffy Duck. <laughs> uh, oh, it's been a long week. It has. It's been a uh, long week. We, and uh, we are... We might, uh, end, we might end this episode in tears. We're... Jay, <laughs> laughing hysterically and crying. There's good news on the horizon, Jay. Yeah. And that Kim Bowie is back. Kim has suggested many a record that we've enjoyed over the years, including the Spider Bait record that we reviewed, I think, two seasons ago. And we were both uh, caught off guard by how interesting it was. Mm-hmm. An Australian band. And this band that we're reviewing, Jay, has connections to that band. You don't say. I do say. I say so. Uh, one of the members of this band either like dated or is married to or something. There's some sort of relationship uh, with this band. I'm speaking of Regurgitator, also an Australian band. Kim always brings the interesting Australian picks to us. And this band, Regurgitator, is from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. We're going to review their 1997 album, Unit. Jay, are you familiar with the band Regurgitator? I'm going to guess no. Goodness, no. No, this is this is an obscure one for both of us. So obscure, Jay, it's not on Spotify in the United States, which is always right. a, 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 a definite in, in the uh, uh, obscure column when you can't find yep. it on a streaming service. Sure. Some of their later stuff is, but not this album had to find it through um, other means let's put it that way and uh but they have some Russian, connections. russian hackers yes the, the russian hackers helped us out got this off of WikiLeaks, and um the band has some connections to another band also that we reviewed front and loader their second drummer uh was also a member of the band front and loader which we reviewed their self-titled album Nice. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if that was a Kim pick or uh, might have been a Gavin pick. Can't remember exactly. I want to say that was Gavin. I think so. I think you're right. So Jay, Tim, neither of us know anything about Regurgitator. So let's throw some knowledge down. No, and the name isn't helping either. <laughs> let me I re- mean, your, let your imagination run wild with, uh, as to what this band could be. Right. With a name like Regurgitator. History of the band. So, like I mentioned, they formed in uh, Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane, 1993. Ben Eli on bass guitar, uh, guitar, keyboards, and vocals. Martin Lee on drums. And Juan Yeomans on lead vocals, guitar, keyboards, and bass guitar. Debut album, Two Plang was released in May 96, followed by the album that we are reviewing. Unit came out in November 97. It was certified triple platinum, Jay, and won five categories at the ARIA Music Awards of 1998. Won Album of the Year, Best Alternative Album, Producer of the Year, Engineer of the Year, and Best Cover Art 
And then their third album, which was simply titled Art, was released in August of 1999. Uh, that was with... Nope. And then they released uh, two other uh, records on Warner. All these were on Warner. And Eduardo and Rodriguez Wage War on the T-Rex comes out. Uh, came out in July 2001. And then their Best Of came out in 2002. Then they changed labels. They released their album Mishmash in November 2004 on Valve Records. Love and Paranoia in September of 2007. Super Happy Fun Time Friends on uh, August of 2011. Dirty Pop Fantasy in September of 2013. And then in last year, they released a live album, Nothing Less Than Cheap Imitations Live at the Hi-Fi Melbourne in September of 2005. They also released a number of EPs, singles, put out VHS and DVDs, multiple music videos. So I guess, Jay, this is a very popular band, or at least had one very successful album uh, that we know of and getting all the rewards for anything else. But this album, as I mentioned, triple platinum in Australia. The first album went single platinum. And then the uh, third album, Art Went Gold. So... Those are some numbers, Jay. They put up some numbers. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it's uh, not easier to get ho- yeah. a hold of here. What's I, up, I feel like uh, all of our other Australian reviews, I feel like we've been able to find pretty easy, no? Yeah. So Maybe Spider what, Bait was hard? Uh, I think we had to get Spider Bait from alternative methods or, 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 or uh, someone had to provide that to us, perhaps. I'm I wonder sure. if some – this was on what would you say it was? Uh, Warner. Warner. I wonder sometimes if they're on larger labels, if that makes it harder to get now, like just because legally and yeah. regional royalties and stuff. I wonder if it's actually more difficult to get uh, to get that music around the world now. Possibly. Kim gave us some notes. He said, this album came out while I was starting out at high school, and I will always associate it with that time period. For that reason as well, it feels like an awkward listen sometimes because of the nature of some of the songs, but that has also made it all the more relatable. The sound is a mix between 80s pop and hard distorted guitars. My favorite track is the song formerly known as with its ode to dancing in ugly pants in the comfort of a lounge room in suburbia. The band has a close connection to Spiderbait. Okay, here we go. The two of the with two of the singers from each band being in a relationship at the time. The video clips from the singles were computer animated and looked cutting edge cutting edge at the time and I believe were also created by the band. It was also a little inspiration for me at the time to see an Asian Australian guy fronting a band in the 90s. Hope you enjoy the listen. So that's interesting. Good notes there, Kim. Thank you. And then Gavin chimed in. He actually chimed in and then he updated his chiming in. His, his original chime in was not necessarily positive. And then he chimed in again and said... Um, Went back, gave it a go, wasn't bad, better than I remember, and I still have no idea what the lyrics mean, but glad I re-listened. Could be another 15 years before I spin it again, though. <laughs> so there's Gavin's input on Regurgitator. So, Jay, let's talk some Regurgitator. Uh, I usually make you go first. I'm going to go first this time, just because I think in talking about Spider Bait, that's a good... This place to start off with the one thing we liked about this record. Uh, in terms of the Spider Bait record, 
I really liked, and I think you did too, the diversity of that record. They did some straight up, you know, synthy pop songs. There was a, a song that kind of sounded like 70s T-Rex or Slade, like glam rock. There were instrumental uh, interludes that were really cool. There was, a, there was a wide, diverse sound on that record, but it seemed to cohes- co- be pretty cohesive. Um, this record kind of does that a little bit. There is, as mentioned by Kim, uh, a track. Uh, it's a uh, number three. Yeah, the song formerly known as, which is a nod to Prince, and it's a very Prince-esque song. Probably the best approximation of a Prince song I've ever heard by anyone. a lot of i guess you'd say cheekiness to this record the first song is i like your old stuff better than your new stuff which apparently was a way of diffusing the fact that they started out as a pretty like guitar oriented band and then for this record they moved into more of a keyboard oriented band and this i guess they're cutting their fans off at the pass who are going to be critical of the new sound and just basically saying yeah we know you like the old stuff better there's a lot of stuff on here that uh, reminded me of the the poppiness of Spider Bait, and I don't know how you know interconnected or, or how how much crossover there is between the two bands if they're actually like touring together or or whatnot. But they definitely have the same melodic pop sensibility. Um, this stuff is a little bit more abrasive in some ways. Uh, some of the songs are more how you say vulgar with titles like I will lick your asshole and I piss alone. Yeah. Um, yet they are very catchy songs. Um, all these songs are fairly short except for the last track. All of them are three and a half minutes or less. Some are in the two minute range minute and 40, that kind of stuff. But overall in terms of what I liked, I like the diversity. I like the sort of haphazard, approach to pop and rock that they take that that reminds me a bit of spider bait so uh what did you like about this record jay yeah i think uh we reviewed something else it may have been spider bait may have been uh something else that can't come to mind but i had a similar reaction to i kept thinking of the the fictional band in high fidelity uh the two skater kids that are stealing all of the obscure and you know varied uh genre records and basically creating the this um i don't know what would be like almost like a rock critic's dream you know of like youthful inspiration combined with eclectic styles all thrown together um so i thought of that when i was listening to this record um it very much uh, sounded like probably uh, you know, kids in their early 20s, late teens, uh, playing with instruments, playing with different sounds. You definitely could hear 
sort of the innocence and the inspiration in there, which is always fun mm-hmm. for anybody who's made music. You can relate to that, you know, to those times where you hadn't you hadn't figured much out yet, so everything you did was kind of a little mini miracle in your own little mind, <laughs> um, and, and left you excited. And you definitely could hear that through the record. I mean, I think um, the introduction of of the synths, the '80s synths, uh, the playing around with Beatles type harmonies at times, and in mm-hmm. Mellotron and. Then they would, you know, just go off into a full-on kind of punk burst of energy with distortion and, you know, power chords. You definitely can hear those moments of inspiration throughout the record. And um, I think there's oftentimes, uh, at least my first couple of listens, where, you know, I was grinning, you know, here and there. Uh, even some of the, you know, sort of silly, childish uh, lyrics, you know, at first listen are... Are, are kind of fun. Um, I think after a while it gets a little on a second, third listen, it doesn't hold up quite as well from that way, but, uh, you can definitely hear, uh, these are guys having, having a lot of fun making this record. Yeah. Like, you know, the first time you hear I piss alone with its distorted screaming vocal and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this is kind of fun, but it doesn't make it. It doesn't stand up to repeated listenings. Um, it just it becomes starts to become abrasive after that. Yeah, you, there's definitely like a number of tracks where you're like there is some serious talent behind these songs, and then there are other ones where you're like, yeah, these this sounds like they just wanted to do something stupid and silly for a minute and a half and uh, pulled it off. Some of the synth sounds though that are, I know that they're or, or the reviews have said and and the people have mentioned about '80s. You know, a lot of it sounded very contemporary in terms of like '97. It's it, there's sounds that sound like Fatboy Slim, and like that, like late '90s, like Chemical Brothers, and and that kind of stuff. It, it sounds a little bit more contemporary to that time than maybe I was expecting with some of the stuff that I had read beforehand. There's definitely some stuff that sounds a bit more retro, which is weird to think because '80s weren't being the '80s weren't being referenced in the '90s. The 80s really started getting referenced in the 2000s as, you know, using that sort of synth sound and and whatnot. So it's interesting that they they even approach that because it wasn't something the other bands yeah. were doing. I mean, we've talked about a couple of times. There, there was a, in the late 90s, you started to hear that analog synth thing come back a little bit. Um, Weezer obviously was one of the first bands to do it and you started hearing it more and more. But it was very much in a rock context you know it was not a right full 80s style you know synth for everything which i think they actually do here and you know i would have thought you know had i heard this at the time i would have 
found it pretty out there. I think in contrast, yeah, you can hear the similarities to some other uh, 90s electronic artists. But I, I was reading, I read a little article about, you know, them talking about making the record. And it sounds like, you know, they, one of them just got a Nord, started playing with it, you know, and then they just started writing songs. And mm-hmm. like probably the most, you know, the first things that came out of, playing around the instrument is what is on this record, you know? So there's a good and bad to that. You know, there's that, like I mentioned, there's that inspiration of just being totally, you know, energized by this, this instrument and the sound of it and what it can do. And then there's, um, the other side of it where, you know, you tend to do what's obvious, you know, or you tend to not sound completely authentic in how you're presenting it. So I think there's moments on the record where, it sounds a bit a joke or amateurish. And then there's other times where it sounds really inventive and, uh, really cool. So for example, I think like Mr. T is a great example of that sounds a way ahead of its time. I mean, that sounds like a song that you could hear now in that, how it combines kind of a blues riff, but with more of a, an octave guitar or octave bass, kind of thing with a groove and vocally it, it kind of reminded me of uh of anthony kiedis when he's trying to be sensitive but less annoying <laughs> yeah because yeah and it has those like distorted like keyboard stabs yeah almost sound like nine inch nails and right. uh but they work within the context of that song they don't make it sound dark they just provide a counterpoint to the pop it's got a good you know room drum sound mm-hmm. um, i mean that's a song where i heard that and thought wow if the whole record would have been like this it's, I mean, for '97, they were they were onto something. I mean, this this that combine to me combines all the elements of the record into a cohesive song and a sound that is inventive and unique. Um, so, and, and I think there's some other examples of that. I think even like just another beautiful story is a nice take on the Beatles, but with a little bit more edge and you know a, a modern twist. Um, I think I like your old stuff, I think is a good companion to Mr. T. Uh, I actually, the song formerly known as, which is an obvious attempt at a Prince song. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that actually works pretty well. Yeah. Um, even though it's, um, you know, obviously the, or the inspiration for it, but I think it, it's done pretty well. It's pretty convincing. Uh, in fact, I wish, Prince sounded like this in 1997. Uh, I think <laughs> this is when he was 
deep into the, this is beyond the uh, new power generation and into the uh wasn't he doing like triple albums this is like this crystal point. ball and yeah like when yeah. he's doing like lots of and he was doing like you know jazz instrumentals and right yeah so when i heard this i, I thought well geez i wish prince would sound like this then i think the alternative rock stuff is fine but very average so um what did you think of black bugs i like it i like the song i would rather hear it i mean i guess it's it's got that synth like bass in it mm-hmm. which is a nice combination so i think it's of, of the alternative sounding stuff on this record it's probably one of the better uh examples because it does blend the the synth and the guitar and the live drums together. And I think that's where their sweet spot is. Okay. Yeah, I, I just felt like that was one of the, in terms of capturing everything that they do, that song worked really well for me. Better than, like, in terms of what you would call, like, the quote-unquote modern rock songs, I thought it was it worked better than, say, Modern Life or... Right. Um, you know, Polyester Girl kind of sounds like I, that was one of the singles off the record, and it kind of sounds like a quirky, like '90s um, pop song that would be, you know, kind of a, a novelty song. Yep. That didn't necessarily work for me as well as, no. as some of the other stuff. I think the record, like, sound, it starts off really strong, and then they start going off in different directions, and you sort of have to pick and choose what you like from there yeah like yeah the first four songs for me are all really solid was there anything that really bugged I don't you love, or you didn't care i don't for? love well i don't love everyday formula it's fine i think once you hear the whole record and and you hear what they do well you know you know i'm gonna cut things i would cut that kind of stuff um well it's really the I only w- one like that though uh it's that heavy isn't i piss alone like that well, yeah. After the intro, I mean, it kind of turns into that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, unit like nonsensical screaming, like yeah. Unit is nonsense. I will lick your arsehole. I mean, that's just like I said. I think I said it earlier. Was when you when you first hear the that line, it's sort of subtle. And you're and it's a sample, so you're thinking. And I, I didn't look at the t- album title the first time I heard it. And I'm like, what did he say? And then it goes away. And then when it comes back again, they just play it like so loud in your face. You're like, okay, got it, guys. All right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's so offensive. You're just like, I, I don't want to have that stuck in my head all day. So or do I, you? I, yeah. No. I'm like it loud. 
and that's i mean they kind of what do they rap i mean they kind of rap on that song yeah uh, reminds me of like fun loving criminals or something which i wasn't a fan of right um modern life and polyester girl uh they get into this almost brit pop kind of thing um i guess mm-hmm. polyester girl almost has like a 50s kind of weezer pop sound um i don't like polyester girl at all i think modern life's okay but again it's it's it, it sounds like blur you know or it, it, sounds, well, it like, sounds like somebody trying to do blur yeah yeah it doesn't sound authentic one two three four is just nonsense you know so you've got like three or four songs in the middle of the record where it's just either nonsense or noise or just not very good. You've got a couple attempts at pop songs that are uh, not successful. So I think overall the middle of this record is uh, a bit perplexing. I think it starts pretty intriguing and I think it ends pretty strong, but the the middle part is lukewarm at best. I concur. It's, you know, we've, we've run across bands, that dabble in a lot of different things a, a couple times um it's hard to pull off to do a lot of different things successfully i think the thing that worked well on that spider bait record was there was nothing that you felt like all right well they're just screwing around to screw around now like it it felt like even though there was a lot going on with that record it felt cohesive in the sense that it was all from a i guess a pop sense whereas with this sometimes it feels like they're just drifting off into wherever they feel like going for the moment and whether it's abrasive or annoying that's just gonna yeah they're gonna do that yeah i think there's something about when you do it well like spider bait for example it sounds like whatever genre or style that they are incorporating when it's done well, it sounds like they really understand it and have spent the time to absorb it and understand the craft of it. And when right. it's not done well, it sounds like, hey, I just figured out how to write like a reggae song. Let's put let's write a reggae song. Or hey, I just figured <laughs> out how to write how to do Beatles harmonies. Let's put Beatles harmonies on here. Right. You know, it's it's just sounds a little inauthentic and amateurish. Um, when it's not done well, and I think at this record, there's times where, to me, it feels like that, and it's a it's a bit of a turnoff. Right. I will concur with you on that, Jay. Let's talk about our overall ratings for this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Where are you at? EP. Yeah, yeah. I've got about. Uh, I could pick four or five songs that are the. The stuff that features the synth, but does it in a, um, a very inventive way that still, you know, uh, is built around a song. That's that tends to be the thing, the stuff that I like the best. I think I could go with seven. I think that where I'd max out about there for my for my picks. Still not enough for an album, and these are all short songs. You're at seven songs. You're probably probably talking about less than twenty minutes for that. I mean, this album. At 13 songs is only 37 minutes, so it's a pretty short record. But yeah, I'm with you. I, there's just an, there's just too much filler or or just stuff that rubs me the wrong way after a couple listens that I'm I'm not going to want to go back and listen to again. So I'm at an EP 
as well. So, thank you to Kim for bringing us another very interesting pick that, you know, there's not a lot of times where, um, usually when we're doing comparisons to bands, we're like, you know, it's got a Stones feel, or this is this sounds like uh, Nirvana. No, we're, we're making comparisons to Spiderbait, which is not exactly <laughs> the, the band that is on a, the tip of everybody's tongues at the moment when you're trying to make a comparison. So that's one of the fun parts about this show is that we get to experience uh, so many cool and interesting uh, bands that uh, we never, ever, ever would have known about. So good on you. And uh, uh, I think we're both ready to move to Australia. Well, I am. I'll tell you that. I've already texted with uh, or messaged with Gavin about uh, immigration policy in Australia because, um, well, let's just say I like the weather ideas that they have down there, meaning I like the fact that it's warm all year round, but not like blazingly hot. Sort of pretty hot. Well, it depends because it's a big country. There's a lot of you know, areas to, to go to. And some of those cities are like San Diego. Where they're like 80 degrees all year round. This is true. So I would be happy to throw a, sh- a few shrimp on the Barbie down there. <laughs> Jay. Right. Yes. So if anybody's interested in sponsoring us for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, um, um, whatever requ- is required, you know, I'm sure we have to prove that we are upstanding citizens, but, uh, yeah. you have to put your pets in uh quarantine for like six months or a year. Really? You know yeah. I know somebody that moved there with dogs. They had to put both their dogs in quarantine. Remember when, uh, Johnny Depp got in trouble for that? He was, yeah, I was in Australia. I think he so, tried he, he smuggled his dog in and didn't put it in quarantine. What what does the quarantine do? Uh, to make sure, basically, they require it so that diseases don't get spread to the island. Like you don't introduce new diseases. Why don't they do that to people too? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> they maybe, maybe they do. Oh, that's weird. Yep, I didn't know about that. Well, by the time we actually make the move, uh, just make sure you're pet free then. Yeah, I just have to be pet free. We'll just how have you got to. However, you got to get there. Is it for cats too? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, Do they have cats in Australia. It's a cat-free <laughs> island. No, they all just have kangaroos. In I was house. gonna say, do I have to? Do I have to get a wallaby? Or is that New Zealand? I'm insulting uh, a lot of people right now. I am sorry. That wallaby. Uh. Thank you to Kim, our, our requester for this record. Want to remind everybody you can request records over at digmeoutpodcast.com. Go to our request review page. Plop down a small donation to help this podcast keep rolling forward. And you can request a review for us. For Right now it would be the 2017 season because 2016 is just about over. You can also make your voice heard over at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash digmeout. You can join at the $1 level to get bonus content, to get previews of upcoming episodes, to vote on upcoming reviews, and for the 250 level, you get an added bonus of getting a review after 12 months of membership. First year went pretty well, Jay. We're hoping to kick things up. We had some cool prizes to give away. We'll do some stuff at the end of the year, and then 
keep it going into 2017. So that's all I got. You got anything? I need a nap. Jay needs a nap, everybody. It's going to last four years. Let's crowdfund that nap. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash dig me out or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.